You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. We are the Satellite Sisters. I'm Liz Dolan here at the Wondery Studio in West Hollywood, California. I'm an on-again, off-again corporate executive. I live in Santa Monica, and I have a little dog named Hooper. That's good. Well, uh, this is Julie Dolan. I'm in (laughs) Dallas, Texas, and I've lived and worked and traveled to some very unusual places. Uh, I'm an empty nester, an urban nana of five grandchildren. And Liz, I wanted to wish you Happy National Gumbo Day today. Oh, it's National Gumbo Day. Oh. So get yourself a nice uh, cup of gumbo today (laughs) somewhere uh, and help celebrate. You're a gumbo lover because you lived in New Orleans for many years, right? It's one of the places in the world I've lived, Liz. Mm -hmm, I've mm -hmm. lived about 14 different times, but yes, uh, so (laughs) I... I did. I did definitely develop um, a taste for gumbo. Okay. Well, our sister Leanne Dolan is not with us today. She is traveling this week. She was in Washington, D.C. for the board meeting of an NGO that she is on the board of. Um, And then she was headed up to New England, to Connecticut, where we grew up for a little girls weekend with some of her high school friends. So we certainly support that as she's having her own little satellite sister weekend Mm -hmm. with her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we do. Yeah. But Julie and I feel a lot of pressure when Leanne isn't here because Leanne's the organizer. Leanne's the backbone. And we just, you know, we're afraid that she's going to listen when she comes back and not be 100 percent satisfied with uh, with what she hears. (laughs) And we like we're here by the. The, the skin of our teeth today because yesterday, Julie, you had no internet service at all at your home. If you lived anywhere from Texas to Oklahoma, possibly to Kansas, you know that AT&T service went down and it went down and it went out and they didn't tell us, Liz. Yeah. There were thousands of us just roaming around in our house trying to figure out what was going on. Okay. <laughs> they had a lightning strike at one of their facilities and unlike the power company, that when your power goes out, they tell you, hey, yeah. your power's going to be on in 24 hours. AT&T took the approach, we'll just not mention it, and maybe <laughs> nobody will notice. And so they just, they uh, so many users, you know, uh, unhappy users flooded their phone lines. They they turned off their phones, Liz. They, oh. they, the phones stopped working. And even the virtual assistant, uh, if you were lucky enough to get online somewhere to file a complaint, uh, the virtual assistants stopped working. So okay. the whole thing was a big mm-hmm. meltdown. So mm-hmm. yes, hanging on by a thread yesterday, wasn't certain I was going to be able to create any connectivity yes. or else I was going to be doing the show from Starbucks, one of the two. But I am so happy to be here. Yeah. And what I didn't know till I got in today, Julie, is our engineer, uh, the wonderful Sergio Enriquez, told us like, all the power was out here yesterday at Wondery. So it's a good thing we do a Tuesday show, not a Monday show. That's all I got to say. But we do, you know, despite missing Leanne, we have a very full show. Uh, we have a couple of stories near the top about, you know, the pesky problem of what to wear to work. A um, couple of different approaches to that. Uh, mm-hmm. I have news on my my diagnosis. I've mentioned that I'm having some physical yeah, therapy okay. done. I I have a diagnosis I'm going to share with you. Julie, you're you were uh an admissions officer at colleges and universities for a long time. So you're going to break down that Harvard case that's in the news right now, right? If you have a high school age uh, kid and you wonder how am I ever going to get my kid into Harvard? I think <laughs> the next couple of weeks there are going to be some major insights coming out of this court case in Boston, but I'll break it all down for you. And then on Entertaining Sisters, Julie has a, a, a Broadway show to recommend that she saw last week, and I have a couple of films that I saw this weekend at the Bend, Bend Film Festival that I wanted to tell you about. But we cannot, cannot, cannot start today's show without saying thank you so much, Meghan Markle. <laughs> I mean, are, I just, are you not over the moon with the excitement that mm-hmm. Harry and Meghan are expecting a baby in the spring of 2019. Now, yeah. we don't know when this is happening, Liz. Mm-hmm. It's believed to be in April. Uh, I don't know. Who I don't need to know all the details. I'm, but, I'm, I'm oh, fine. I think we need to know every all the details, Liz. <laughs> we can't get enough about this because 
I mean, way to go, Megan, right? Yeah, this yeah. is really amazing. Of course, there has been some speculation. When she showed up um, this past Friday at Eugenie's or Eugenie's wedding, however you say her name. However you say that. She was wearing that wide-fitting coat and dress. Uh-huh. There was some speculation that perhaps maybe they were having a baby. But I feel like the big tip-off is when she, when Megan got off the plane in Sydney because they're on a two-week tour of Sydney and New Zealand and the Fiji. Um, and for some unknown reason, Megan was carrying a pile of purple folders, okay? Mm-hmm. She's you mean in front purple. of her body as she got off the plane? Yes. Oh. She had a bunch of purple folders in her arms as she got off the plane. Now, like, why was she carrying? That's what I was saying. Like, why are you carrying purple fo- folders, Megan? You have people. People carry your purple folders. You don't need to carry your own. But Liz, she's a television actress. Yes. And you think about it. Think about how many TV shows you've seen where they have pregnant actresses and they're always shot carrying folders yes. or behind the couch. Think of Olivia Pope on ABC Scandal. Yes. They just kept getting her a bigger and bigger Birkin bag as the more pregnant she got, right? That's I mean, true. That's true. It's, it's the oldest TV trick in the book. I know. And of course, the wide-fitting Givenchy coat. I mean, now our mother wasn't wearing Givenchy, but she wore, when Leanne was, she was pregnant with Leanne, I think I've mentioned this on some podcast way deep in our vault, uh, Liz, uh-huh. That Leon, I and I'm ten years older than Leon. I didn't even realize Mom was pregnant. Yeah. With I mean, because she wore a raincoat for six months. <laughs> so I mean, it was the same thing. That's what Megan was doing. She was wearing a wide-fitting coat and carrying folders like TV actresses do. But I mean, so exciting, Liz. And of course, the Australians are just got right into it. You know, Liz. Yeah. First stop. You know, the governor of or uh, the prime minister of Australia gave. Gave them their first baby gift, Liz. That's so Gender great. Gender neutral mm-hmm. baby gifts. Mm-hmm. A, kang- a kang- stuffed kangaroo and the cutest little Ugg booties you've ever seen. Right? Was that perfect? That was perfect. Perfect. And, and of course, of course, Megan was perfect because she was wearing an Australian designer dress. Uh, they said she looked like she was pregnant. I don't think so. But <laughs> nonetheless, the name of her, the dress that she was wearing is called the Blessed Dress. Oh, really? Yes, Liz, this is the kind of details that we just can't get enough of because yesterday my internet was out, right? And it was raining and terrible here. But I could I could read about the blessed dress and that really perked me up. And I think with all the craziness in the world that everybody should just 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 get on board with this. I mean, the Queen's excited. Yeah. She she's given this a two thumbs up. Okay. Uh Megan. My, Megan's mother is very happy about this. Mm-hmm, sure. Now, there, was, there was even Prince Charles, you know, he, he sent out a message that he was very happy. Now, this is a little unusual because they are on a two day, a two week trip to Australia, to Fiji, Tonga, New Zealand. And, you know, they have the Zika virus in Fiji. Oh. So, mm-hmm. but apparently Megan and Harry have spoken to the doctors about the Zika vira, vi, virus risk. And so uh, I don't know what they're going to, I don't know how they're handling mm-hmm. it, but they're mm-hmm. handling it, Liz. So I don't think we need to worry about that. Yeah. So, so. Well, uh, I, I just got to say one of the reasons that we love this story so much, besides the fact that Megan is a Southern California girl. So we've been all in on Megan Markle from the very beginning uh, is as Leanne said this summer before the wedding, we're grateful to Megan Markle for sort of, taking one for the team, for generating so much good news in the world, we can ignore some of the bad news in the world. I think you're right, Liz. It's the distraction factor that Megan is providing means I'm much more in on Royal Baby Watch right from the beginning than I would normally be. So I think we can all thank Megan and obviously Harry, too, for that. It's nice to have just a super positive, fun story. I'm also relieved that there's not going to be like months or years where everyone in the world is waiting for Megan to get pregnant. Okay, she's pregnant. Great. She had a lot of pressure. Yes. She had a lot of pressure, but she did it. She hit a home run like Liz. <laughs> okay. She just she just did it, Liz. So okay. Is, yes. You know, many, many couple and she is considered, I mean, this is hard to believe, but she is considered an older mother at 37. Yeah. And uh with, you know, 
higher health risks, et cetera. You know, it's more difficult to get pregnant, whatever. But, uh, you know, she just did it. So uh, good for her. Okay. The only one that did not seem, did not seem quite as excited as they should be is Sarah Ferguson. Now, you know, her daughter, Eugenie, Mm -hmm. or Jenny, Mm -hmm. um, got married this weekend. It was a very lovely wedding. Just a solid royal wedding. (laughs) She had a beautiful dress on, looked good. They looked like a very happy couple. Um, That was all good. But uh, right when the news broke uh, about um, Harry and Meghan, Sarah Ferguson went on some kind of tweet storm, Liz, and she started tweeting about her daughter's wedding and about the dress that she wore to the da- her daughter's wedding without even acknowledging the fact that Meghan and Harry are having a baby, which mm. is obviously bigger news. Mm. So I don't well, know whether she had. I don't know. When you're the mother of the bride, I'm going to cut you some slack. I'm, you know, fine. <laughs> fine for Fergie cuz i'm assuming they held off announcing the royal baby until after the wedding on purpose like they i could did. see yes. if sarah ferguson was mad if they announced the baby like on wednesday of last week before eugenie's wedding th- then i could see being annoyed but they obviously held the information back so i think everyone can just be happy for everyone okay can we do that okay Okay. Okay. All right. All right. There's and Camilla, of course, was a no-show at the wedding when she had had the lamest excuse that she had a conflict. Oh, did you say Camilla? Yes, Camilla. Uh Yeah, she was a no-show at the wedding. Okay. Well, I don't know what that's about, but enough said. uh, But that was kind of that was kind of lame. But again, let's stay focused on the baby Ugg slippers, (laughs) on kangaroo. Let's get just just. Just, you know, just just the whole thing. You're right, Liz. If we just focus let's just try on to rise baby. above and be totally okay. happy. Hashtag royal baby. I'm sticking with that. The so of course there was a lot of great stuff on Twitter yesterday and today. Um, just commenting on the baby, but also already people speculating about possible names. So um, here's one. Here's someone who put out a little uh, poll. And it said, Meghan, Duchess of Sussex and Prince Harry are expecting a baby. If it's a boy, what should they name it? Uh, Here are the results. These are obviously mainly British people that responded to this, I'm guessing, from these results. Julie, 18% said Benny Hill. So Prince (laughs) Prince Benny. Uh, 20% 20 said Mr. Bean, which is a cute name for a baby. To just refer to your baby as Mr. Bean. I could see that. Uh, 24% Sherlock, Prince Sherlock, and the big winner, 38% said Bond, James Bond. (laughs) So, so we can start to work on our own plans here at Satellite Sisters for if the, if the Royal Baby is a girl, but that was sort of some polling on if the Royal Baby is a boy. If you have some girl names. Can have have dual citizenship too, Liz, you know, she might be able to swing that. So the Royal Baby could have an American citizenship as well. If Megan does not renounce her American citizenship as she's trying to get her British citizenship. Okay. So that okay. works too. Our very first American <laughs> royal baby. Wow. Liz, summer is coming up and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling sure. there yes. with your with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for a part of the summer, I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what uh, what what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good, and the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. Butcher Box gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's a hundred percent grass fed beef, free range organic chicken pork that's raised crate-free and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones, and as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> nice to have something familiar there. <laughs> yes. 
So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSisters at oseamalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. <laughs> in no their kidding. skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils, I love it all. That duo they have going. Oh. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo, yes. you can you can literally see your skin get firmer and it just delivers <laughs> this full body glow. Okay. You know, we have raved about the Andaria algae body oil. Mm -hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria collagen body oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz, a youthful yeah. glow is going to happen. <laughs> and it's infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself <laughs> because you're worth it. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code SAD Sisters. So this is it. This is a win, win, win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSisters at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. We're not supposed to want this kind of stuff, but really, compared to other things, it seems right. like a totally good idea. Okay, let's move on. A couple of, we have like three quick stories about what people are wearing. Uh, uh, the first one, I saw this headline, probably many of you did, different ways to solve the pesky problem of what to wear. So last week, a Minnesota meteorologist uh, it was sort of a take your kid to work day, but with with a twist. So she's weather forecaster Susie Martin. She did the weather cast, Julie, while wearing her one year old son on her back. All, <laughs> all in an effort to celebrate. This was an event I was not aware of. Um, International Baby Wearing Week. Did you celebrate that in any way? You were you were I being urban nana. Right. I've been in a lot of international countries, Liz. I'm not familiar with that holiday. Okay. No. <laughs> right. What was so cute, though, is you see her doing her weather cast, and then she turns around, and you see the little baby boy on her back. So uh, so yay for you, Susie Martin. That was a really nice touch. And the baby, you know how tough this can be to plan, Julie. Uh, uh -huh. The baby was asleep the whole time, which is really what you want when you're on when you're on live television. Uh, but she just really believes in the bonding experience between mother and son that comes from wearing her baby as much as possible. So she said it was nice for me personally because I could multitask while comforting my child. So yay for you. She is our satellite sister of the week because I enjoyed just seeing that. Again, another thing that just you read the story and it just makes you smile, right? Bring on. So we need more smiling, Liz. <laughs> more smiling. Okay, next up, solving the pesky problem of what to wear. And this is, I have sort of a question for you about this one, Julie. So I saw this headline, so which immediately got my attention. In the Sunday New York Times, the 
big story on the front of the business section was entitled A Working Woman's Weapon. And I'm like, okay, I need to find out what that is. And okay, you need that one. You like that. <laughs> I like all that stuff. Uh, and uh, it's a story about the business Rent the Runway. So the, the headline says, A Working Woman's Weapon, Rent the Runway, Superfans, on the Transformational Bliss of Borrowing Clothes for the Job. So are you familiar with Rent the Runway, Julie? Liz, I actually have that app on my phone. I've never actually rented anything from it, but my daughter-in-laws have, and they both uh, think it's a great thing. Okay. You know, if they're going to a wedding, you can rent a dress for like $30 yeah. or something like that, rather than having to buy a, an expensive dress or, re- or wear the same dress you've been wearing to all the other weddings you've been to. Right. So yeah, I think it's a great thing. Well, here's the part I didn't know, which is why it's news, Julie. So the the original business model of Rent the Runway was exactly what you just described, sort of renting couture or fancier clothes for fancier events. You're going to a, a black tie event for work or a friend's wedding or something. So it's a one-off rent the dress you want. Well, that's not how they're actually making most of their money right now because they introduced something that's called Rent the Runway Unlimited. And Rent the Runway Rent the Runway Unlimited is where you subscribe and you get clothes to wear to work, Julie. Just regular clothes that you're gonna put on to go to your normal J O B. And it says, since Rent the Runway introduced Unlimited two years ago, the service has amassed tens of thousands of subscribers in part by promising to solve the problem of what to wear to work for everyone from new hires to C-suite executives. So it's for 159 bucks a month, and there's a cheaper tour uh, tier, 89 bucks a month. You get to pick outfits that you can keep for the whole month that sort of keep it interesting, keep it lively. You don't have to think too much about what you're wearing. And in the story, there's a lot of information about how much time we all spend, women, that is, driving ourselves crazy. Uh, and they said dollars, time, just dis- staring at your closet, yeah. trying to figure out what fits, what doesn't, what has a stain on it, what does Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That, yeah. That's a lot of time. Or and- trying to shop for things that takes a lot of time people no. don't like shopping right exactly and they say this burden of really always trying to look like pulled together and good women feel it much more than men because men just pick out what tie they're going to wear that day and uh and go with that so here's the deal so you pick out clothes and they send them to you and then as you get tired of them you know it's a nice dress you could wear to work or a colorful blouse that you might not normally want uh in your closet but you can sort of cycle it in if you're going to an important meeting and they make the point in this story that it's actually a more sustainable way of dressing versus buying a lot of what they call fast fashion at H&M or Zara, you know, the sort of cheaper clothes that you're kind of throwing away after a couple of years or not really using that much because you get sick of them. And so it's it's an interesting pitch for you wouldn't think that a service like this would actually be the more sustainable way to go, but they're trying to make the case that it is, that it's actually easier and better for the environment for us all just to be sharing clothes. So it's sort of the newest version of the sharing economy. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. It's I mean, inter- I've never thought about that, but that's a good thing, isn't it? I yeah. mean, less waste. You know, I, I like that, Liz. I guess. Okay. I don't know. I guess maybe because I grew up and we were five girls in the family so we were, it wasn't so much sharing as the hand-me-down. Like, you got everything new. Got new friends. Yeah. yeah. You always had the fresh clothes, and then it trickled down to us. So the trickle-down economy is what we were experiencing when we were young, which is why poor Leon, being the youngest of the five girls, it just looked like her dresses kept getting bigger as she did because she would just grow into the next biggest size of a dress that our mother had already bought. But anyway, I'm just putting it out there. So would you, if you were on a traditional job, I mean, you and I, we don't really go to a conventional workplace anymore. The good thing about podcasting is, believe me, you can't see what I'm wearing right now. But is that something that you think would be appealing? I think it solves a big problem. I think it could really simplify your life. And I think that's what most working women are looking for, you know, is Mm -hmm. how to make their life simpler. So they have more time, you know, for their friends, for their spouses, for their kids, for, you know, for what their interests are. 
and I, that I I like that. Yeah. At so, first, um, I thought it was a crazy uh, amount of money. I thought it was a crazy yeah. amount of money to spend, especially the younger you are. But there are younger yeah. women in the story that said their biggest wardrobe leap they had to make is like from college into the workplace for the first time that they felt like it was actually cheaper to do this than to go out and buy a whole bunch of clothes at H&M or Zara that you're going to blow through really quickly. Anyway, we'll put we'll put the whole story in the show notes and read it and uh, let us know what you think about that. I'm just curious if anyone has tried this because I didn't even know that this new thing uh, existed. Okay, one last thing, Julie, then we got to go to an ad break. Dirndl's yeah. making a comeback, apparently. Right. The Dirndl, the Dirndl dress, Dateline 2018, the New York Times wants you to believe, Liz, that Dirndl's and their companion fashion out, uh, outfit, the Lederhosen, <laughs> are making a big and genuine comeback in Germany. Uh, apparently, Liz, people in Bavaria are seriously wearing uh, clothes from The Sound of Music. Uh, <laughs> they are not being ironic about this, that there has been, in fact an explosion of uh, dirndls being bought, a 75% increase in 2018. Mm-hmm. I do not believe this, Liz. You know, I, you know that they, they quote in this New York Times article that some professor, sociological, uh, sociology professor, sees the wearing of the dirndl as a sociological statement. It's the new generation of confident Germans. They're fighting uh, back uh, against globalism with folk prints and leather, and they're doing it, Liz. Um, okay. I don't no. think this, I, I do you think this is true, that well, dirndls you know- are making a comeback? Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm-hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting rave reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Leon Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair is really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay, and I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you; it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're certified B Corp, cruelty free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. (laughs) Because because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, you I like did. to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the Framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. 
Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, rate or gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds like- you are going to be happy, okay? <laughs> and that's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. This sounded familiar to me, Julie. Leon posted this in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group a couple days ago, and I was like, wait a minute. Didn't it already make a comeback? And yes, in fact, we covered this on Satellite Sisters in 2013, Julie. The New York Times ran almost the identical story, which I picked up on because I was in Germany on a business trip. And remember, I had I had to get all dressed up and go to like an Oktoberfest event. And they made me wear like the traditional Bavarian dirndl. Do you remember the nightmare that was me in a dirndl? Yes, I did. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I, I just want to say this. They already came back and went away. So if you're just going to recycle this story every five years, I'm not buying it. And it's a very tough look for most of us. <laughs> a, a very... I think you have to be really drunk to, to wear a dirndl or lederhosen seriously. That's what I think. It's the top that's really hard. It's not just the skirt. It's the, the sort of all pressed in, whatever. You know, we'll post a few photos. Anyway, dirndl's making a comeback. No, we beg to differ. Uh, anyway, we're going to take a quick break here and then come back. Julie's got the scoop on this Harvard case. And then we do have kind of a semi-announcement about a major athletic adventure. Yes, so, you got it, sister. Okay, so stick with us. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. Now, Julie, many listeners may not know that you were an admissions officer at various colleges and universities throughout your career. So you are the perfect person to bring us what we should really care about in this case for Harvard that's going on right now. Okay, this is a big case that just started this week in Boston. And um, Harvard, uh, this, the suit has been brought by a group called Fair Admissions, Students for Fair Admissions. And they brought a suit against Harvard University where they're claiming that Harvard University um, uses race uh, to discriminate against some of the applicants, in particular, Asian American applicants. So this case has been, you know, uh, sort of kicking around, but now it's really, it's going to court. And as part of that, Liz, I think what you're going to hear is that the Harvard University, specifically the former dean of admissions at Harvard, is going to have to disclose in a lot of detail exactly how they select students to go to Harvard. Uh -huh. So if you ever wanted to know, or if you think you <laughs> wanted to go to Harvard, pay attention because I think we're going to hear some things coming out of this case. I mean, do you realize, Liz, last year, Harvard accepted 1,962 students out of a pool of 42,749 students. Wow. 42,000 uh, students applied to Harvard and they, uh, they accepted under 2,000. And I can tell you, having worked at an elite university, I don't know this for a fact at Harvard, but I'm estimating, Liz, that probably 40,000 of those applicants last year were smarter than me, yeah. and maybe even you, Liz Dolan, okay? so <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, Julie, I, I heard someone on the news last night talking about their case, and they said at Harvard and other elite universities, they literally get thousands of applicants from kids who have 4.0 GPAs and perfect scores. Right. On, on, so they got to go in some other way to also qualify or unqualify people to get in. I mean, it is it was the it is the most as an incredibly difficult job uh, to select students when when everybody is qualified. So Harvard developed this holistic approach um, to uh, to their application. So they are looking at test scores and they're looking at grades and they're looking at extra personal, uh, extracurricular activities. 
but they're also looking at what they call, they give them a personal score and that each applicant receives a personal ranking. And this is based on personality, sense of humor, courage, kindness, and they glean the facts about this, about their personality based on their, from their letters of recommendations or uh, contacts or interviews or whatever. But uh, the Asian American applicants to Harvard receive the highest, they are always in the top group in terms of academic and extracurricular levels. Okay, Mm -hmm. so so the Asian American applicants applying to school, they're killing it on the academic and the extracurricular, but they have the lowest score as a group in terms of personal ranking, which is to say, and that's their point, that they are being discriminated against because they are Asian American. That they're uh, say, So they're saying there's a cultural bias here. Cultural bias. Mm-hmm. And they have some proof. I mean, they did an internal study at Harvard that's, you know, when they look back at their application process, because um, because the number of Asian uh, applicants was, you know, was was they were very well qualified, but they're still they are the you know, they're admitting the fewest number of those to of those uh, in that category. For example, legacy children have one of the highest admit rate. And these would be children of Harvard graduates yeah. or, you know, athletes have a much higher admit rate as a group or children of Harvard faculty and staff also have a higher admit rate than mm-hmm. Asian Americans. And certainly children of special donors of the university mm-hmm. also have a much higher um, mm-hmm. admit rate. Yeah, your Jared Kushners, et cetera. Yeah. Yes, let's, whoever, whoever it may be. So that, um, but, you know, Harvard is saying, and this has been the case, that for 40 years, the Supreme Court has said it is okay to use race as a measure, as a dimension of the application process. Uh-huh. And a number of court cases with that. And most universities in an effort to create a diverse student population, you know, they are going to consider, you know, to make sure that they have, you know, you know, a, you know, all races represented sure. people from all socioeconomic backgrounds. But, you know, the Asian Asian students in this case that have filed the suit, they're saying this is pretty similar to what Harvard did in the 1920s, where they really tried to suppress the number of Jewish students attending the university, you know, that they mm-hmm. just sort of said no more than 20%, you know, and then, but they had to, you know, and that was later, you know, uh, they had to get rid of that system of discrimination. So this is, this is a case where they, you know, they, the star witness in this case is the former Dean of admissions, William Fitzsimmons. And so he's in the hot seat. He's yeah. got to go on the stand and you can believe that every lawyer, you know, who never got into Harvard, <laughs> very pointed questions about yes. who, you know, how they pick those, you know, 1900 students out of the 42,000 applicants. So um, and this really could have big ramifications for how all schools do it. So it will be um, fascinating. It will be very interesting to watch. I will keep you updated on it because I'm, I'm watching that. Um and that if if they if they remove this bias using using that, it will really impact all schools. So, mm-hmm. in le- you know, so we'll see. Very interesting. It's too late for us, of course, but maybe listeners, your children, your grandchildren, you can get some inside scoop. OK, next up, you watched that new the, the two part series on National Geographic about North Korea. You're our North Korean expert. So what did that's, you think? That's going to put on my other hat now, Liz. You know, <laughs> yes. I mean, a number of people on our Facebook group at Satellite Sisters, you know, mentioned that they had watched um, the Nas- National Geographic is um, as you know, as is broadcasting this. So you can either find it online or you can find it in your in your television listings. But this is a two-part series. It was two years in the making, starring Michael Palin, uh, who you know from Monty Python. Mm -hmm. And he went to North Korea for two weeks. And what's amazing about this two-part documentary is that he really did have historic access to places in North Korea that even most tourists like myself would never have been able to go. So what I people wondered, what I liked about the... um, 
about the documentary, Liz, is that it was very familiar. I could see the same food being served, you know, in the same hotel room, things like that. Many of the same locations in Pyongyang or the DMZ um, that that I had uh, traveled to. But I also liked it because he he went to many other places. You know, Kim Jong-un is making a big uh, deal about he wants to create some seaside resort in North Korea, which forget it. Um, <laughs> really? Signing up, Liz? Why I, would I, I go know. there? Honestly, uh, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, so they did go to places in North Korea that I didn't see. So I like that part of it. What I would have to say, though, what what you know wasn't captured. Uh, I really like Michael Palin. I think he has a very curious and gentle style. He seemed very sensitive when he was going around. I liked all of that, but. I, I don't think he really captured what a cynical, horrible place that it was. Uh-huh. That's part of it that I would have to disagree. That, you know, he, he he sort of, if you watch this, you would just think North Korea is just very odd and very strange, but not necessarily threatening. And yeah. it definitely is a threatening, terrible, awful place. Uh, and I think less of that came out. Obviously, it would be hard to, you know, to talk about that while you're in North Korea, because you wouldn't be able to. Yes, get out exactly. If you said that. Um, but it is worth your while to uh, view if you, you know, just if you're interested in North Korea. So okay. that's what I would say. So okay. but as part of that, I noticed the other big news in this week is Kim Jong-un has invited the Pope to come to North Korea. So, Liz, I wanted to ask you what you thought about whether that was a good idea for Pope Francis to travel to North Korea. I have two words for this, Julie. Pope? Nope. That would be, that's what I would say. I think there are many things the Pope could be paying attention to and maybe going to North Korea and, you know, giving them more attention. Not really the best use of your time. You? Okay, Liz. I think, I think you, I think Pope, we nope. That's the headline. Pope, Pope, no. That's what I, I'm going with. I know he's talked about peace and reconciliation for the Korean Peninsula, but I agree. I think he should take care of the sex scandal at home. That's what I think. Keep your eyes focused on that uh, and uh, let others work on North Korea. Okay. All right. Moving on. I wanted to give people an update on something that I've been uh, sharing in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. You know, every weekend I do a posting called Operation Sea Turtle, which is generally about health and wellness. And you all participate and you share your own milestones and things. And uh, that's been great. So the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been sharing the fact that I've had kind of an injury. So um, I haven't been able to sustain my usual level of not very aggressive training. And but I need to kick it up a notch because, Julie, you and I are working on a plan for something that for now we are not ready to announce the full plan. But we're just calling it a major athletic adventure for early in the new year. Right. That's correct, Liz. Yes. And we should say that we are not climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Okay, no. Can we just uh, can we just disclose that right off? Yes. I would. I have to thank Kathy, the Kathys uh, in our Facebook group, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that have sent out so much valuable information, videos of their um, climbs to, uh, to Mount Kilimanjaro. So much good information that it really helped me make the decision that I did not want to do that. <laughs> and yeah, and FYI, there was no chance I was going along on that one if that was no, the goal. No, you were like, I could, I could not, I couldn't no. get any uptake for that. And of course, Leanne, not the hiker, yeah. she wasn't going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. So that's correct. We are, I, I think it's fair to say we're not climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and we are not swimming the English Channel. No. Can we eliminate those two no. as athletic adventures that we're not doing. Right? And Julie's already been to Machu Picchu, so we're not doing that. But our major athletic adventure, I think maybe in our first show of the new year, we will have locked it down and we will be able to announce what it is. Uh, but in the meantime, I know I need to like kick it up a notch training wise in order to be ready for our, yeah, our major. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. 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 So, so that's why I went. So yesterday I went to a physical therapist because I had this hamstring injury that was just making my, now my ankle was feeling worse. I was not getting any better. 
So I've, I got an appointment to see a physical therapist. Well, first, of course, you have to get approval, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, so I go in for the uh, evaluation appointment yesterday. And you know how they are. They're sort of they're feeling various parts of your body, sort of working their way down from your, you know, your hips, their knees and your ankles. Then they ask you to walk back and forth and they you lift your leg up and you push against them. So the diagnostic process is lots of little things. And uh, and then she uh, then I sat down and she said, OK, I I have figured out what your problem is. And uh, I'm going to Good. I mean, I'm expecting some super scientific uh, answer to what my problem is. She said, um, you have a weak right butt cheek. <laughs> and um, she said, have you ever noticed that your uh, right butt is smaller than your left butt? And I was like, no, why would I ever look at that? Why? No, I would never be looking at my. She said, yes. And now she went into this sort of medical terminology of it's my glutes, Julie, that my my glute on the left side is strong enough so that it's balancing my hamstring. So yeah. my so my left leg is fine. But with the weak glute or the weak right butt cheek on the right side, that's what's throwing my hamstrings off. So yeah, I need say that with a with a straight face. <laughs> is, is you just like dying of embarrassment. When no, she no, no. That? She was uh, she was just really great. I like the fact that they use normal words for your body parts, uh, the medical ones and the ones you would use in conversation. So I she now gave me a series of exercises that I need to do to build up. My my glute, my right glute especially, but you want yeah, to. Make... I'm not going anywhere with you if we... you have a weak right butt cheek. Yeah, is. yeah. Not, forget it. You're. I. We're just forget it. Right. I don't you know get... why. I, I don't know why nobody ever told me that my right butt cheek was smaller than my left butt cheek. But okay. Uh... Is that a common situation? Liz? It seems like it might be. It seems like others may suffer from this too. Uh, maybe, maybe, which is why I wanted to share it here. So she gave me a couple of exercises. I have like one of those bands to put around my knees and do kind of a clamshell thing. She gave me some stuff that I'm supposed to do and uh, every day, including, she said, whenever you're standing in line, like at Costco or something, just clench your butt cheeks. That's what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't do that, Liz. I know. See, I can't do that, Julie. You know why? Because I realized that whenever I do that, I also purse my lips. That is, <laughs> that is really obvious I'm doing something. So I would need to somehow disengage my lips from my butt cheek. I don't know how to do that. Uh, and then she also used the kinesiology tape to tape up my ankle, thank goodness. There was no use for the tape on my on my glutes, but I had the swollen ankle, and that was all. Again, she said, You're, you've thrown your whole body off, so if we just, like, build up your glutes, we're going to be good. So How will you know when you have a strong butt cheek? Well, she's going to tell me, Julie, because I'm going back every week. Uh, I'll be okay. able to tell. She will be okay. able to measure it, and uh, not so much size-wise, but strength-wise. So there you go. And then what's so funny, so uh, you and I talked like in the middle of the afternoon yesterday. You had no internet service, as we've established, but we have a Monday afternoon call where we always go through the rundown for the Tuesday show. And then, then I went out. I took Hooper for a walk. I went to the grocery store. And when I got back home, I had a text from you that said, butt call? <laughs> Weak butt call? So apparently I had I had butt dialed you. Yes. With, with what cheek is what I wanted yeah. to do. So I answered butt call from the strong side, apparently, because I'm just guessing that my you're never gonna get a butt call. I'm never gonna butt dial you from my weak side. So no, that's an okay. advantage to having one weak butt cheek, I guess. So there you go. Working on that for the major athletic adventure coming up uh, in the new year. So she said I have plenty of time to get myself completely balanced. Glute wise. So that's all good news. I think that is, Liz. Yeah, we got to start somewhere. We got to really get in training. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a little break here, a couple of uh, words from our sponsors. And when we come back, we have some entertainment news for you. And we're going to play you our new trailer so we can talk about how much we like it. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Okay, Julie, you've been thinking about it. What's not smart? Um, how about wearing a dirndl dress to a job interview? <laughs> Agreed. Okay, we're back, and we're going to have 
a very special uh, little element here now. Right, Julie? Last week we announced that we had a brand new trailer, and uh, we wanted to share with you the spirit of the show, right? Right. It, uh, this trailer is so cute, Liz. We sound faster, funnier, and uh, smarter than we normally are. So I love it. Okay, so this is not the end of the show. We're just going to play you our new trailer so you can get the uh, get the spirit of it. And then we're going to give you our Share the Sisters assignment for what we want you to do with the trailer. So, Sergio, hit it. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. I've got some sad news. Avocado toast... It may have run its course. It's toast. No. It's toast. <laughs> Julie, you went to see a movie this weekend, so we don't have to. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm a writer and producer. I live in Pasadena, California. I'm the youngest sister. I have two boys of my own, a husband and a big dog. Does everybody okay. know that you lived in Russia? It's it's a data dump of royalty <laughs> news. You know we're coming at you, Facebook. <laughs> Reluctantly. <laughs> Healthy eating and exercise, not fasting and dieting, remain your best bets. Damn it. <laughs> Darn. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm an on-again, off-again corporate executive, and I live in Santa Monica with my dog, Hooper. Are Pop-Tarts a form of ravioli? <laughs> and stay noisy next gen. It's just a pleasure to be in two countries that appreciate coffee that doesn't include whipped cream. <laughs> From the West Coast to Sydney... It's really only three or four movies and a nap. And I'm Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I've lived and worked all over the world. Now I'm in Dallas, Texas. I'm an empty nester and an urban nana with five grandchildren. New mom pep talk. My hobbies and activities. Sloth is, <laughs> is what it says. Are they just voracious on the reef or will they bite us? <laughs> oh, did I tell you he was eating our paycheck? No. <laughs> We're... Is that our piece of the pie this That's month? That's our piece. Okay. okay. So, National yes, right. Sibling Share Your Wealth Day. Get yeah. off the table, Hooper. Yeah. Maybe All that right. lettuce had like one last day on, on the before it expired. <laughs> Just take the lettuce. There is silence. They're not calling back. Or as my son Will said, his text messaging system was broken, which is a lie. I mean, I guess if a smoothie here is $20, that it does make sense that actual high, an actual IV would be more expensive. Everybody just wants to see a Nemo. Yeah. You know, and it's like the U.S. Army trumpet bragoon or something. <laughs> I don't think that's you. the right plan. I think it is. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like 100% sure it's a trumpet for good. <laughs> you can listen to new Satellite Sisters episodes weekly on all podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, and Google Podcasts. Or find us online at SatelliteSisters.com. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. Oh, thank <laughs> Thank you, Sergio Enriquez, for putting that together for us. I still enjoy it every time I listen, Julie. How about you? Me too. Me too. And I think it's so you can just pass that on to your friends with so much confidence. Because yes. you know they're going to love it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's sweet. Yeah. It's, it's a happy cut. We tried to make a very happy cut. So here's what we want you to do. It's super simple. We have the, the trailer is posted on our website, on any of the apps. If you subscribe to Satellite Sisters on you know, uh, Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or NPR One, you will have seen that it came through as a separate file last week in your feed. Oh, we're just asking that all the people that you normally tell how much you love our show or when people, when you're talking to your friends about your favorite podcast, you can just, boom, send them this little three-minute sampler now, and we would be very grateful. So thanks for everything you do for supporting our show, and thank you for sharing our trailer, right? Yes, thank you. Really, that's that's well put, Liz. Yes. So, okay, uh, entertaining sisters time. Uh, Julie, you were, you were in New York last week, and you have an entertainment recommendation. I do. I do, Liz. If you're looking for a great Broadway show, I had a chance to see the best musical winner, Come From Away. Uh -huh. do, you know this, uh, do you know this musical, Liz? Yes. And I know it's in New York, and it may be, you know, maybe they're, it's going to have a, you know, I think it's going to be traveling around the country. This is based on a true story of 7,000 stra stranded passengers and a small Newfoundland town of Gander. Um, and this is what happened on 9-11 when they shut down the American airspace. 
Um, all these, they had to land all these planes somewhere. They landed in Gander, Newfoundland. And it's what New York Times called a portrait, portrait of heroic hospitality. Liz, this is a, there's, there's no intermission in this play. It's a, it's 110 minutes. And from the opening, opening music number, I had a lump in my throat. I mean, I just loved it. It's a 12 member uh, ensemble cast and they play multiple parts uh, from the good citizens of Gander to passengers, to, to airline pilots, to crew members and the whole musical and all the stories that unwind in this 110 minutes are based on interviews from people that were really in Gander on that day. So I think everybody would love it. I think you would enjoy the energy and the, you know, the warmth, the love, you know, the, you know, it makes you laugh. It makes you cry, but it is the story of how this small town helps so many stranded strangers and it's just very uplifting. Um, I'd recommend it for all ages. There are a couple of bad words in it, but other than that, uh, even children, um, you know, of a certain age, uh, uh, you know, I think would be able to enjoy it. And it just, you, you walk out of there and you just say, hail Canada. I mean, it, what, how great were they to, to help us out that day? It's very uplifting. And, um, okay. All right. And I would recommend it. The other thing I loved about this cast, Liz, it's very diverse. Mm-hmm. You know how a lot of Broadway shows, everyone's like 20 and they can sing and <laughs> dance and kick and do all this. I love this cast because all ages, all sizes, all races. I mean, it just was so diverse. Um, you know, they're very unexpected in a musical to see such a range of um, characters. So yeah. I would put that on your list. The name of it is Come From Away. And the national tour is going on right now. I'm looking at it online. The show's in Seattle right now and moving all over the country. I know it's going to be in L.A. from November 28th through January 6th. So over the holiday season, I could go see it. But if you go, we'll have a link in our show notes if you want to see it. Um, as it travels around the country, that sounds like a fun thing to take yeah. the whole family to. So, okay, good recommendation, Julie. Thank you. Come from away. Um, meanwhile, I have two films I wanted to talk about. I was in Bend, Oregon over the weekend. I met our sister Monica there. Every year we go to the, to Bend Film. It's a really nice film festival they do during a gorgeous time of year. I mean, mid-October in Central Oregon is so great. And we saw a lot of different movies. You know, some of them are uh, narrative features that tend to be a little darker, like Monica saw one about, you know, a Bulgarian woman who has agoraphobia. And so there are things at oh. that that end of the spectrum. <laughs> tough. Yeah, that yeah. You see all different kinds of things. I, I watched a lot of shorts, but there were two that I just wanted to mention uh, because I thought they were each really interesting in their own way. One is... Uh, a movie, a documentary about the writer Ursula Le Guin, the science fiction writer, fantasy writer, and it was really fascinating. It's called The Worlds of Ursula Le Guin. And I got to say, I've never read anything by Ursula Le Guin. So it wasn't just I'm a super fan and wanted to know more about her. She lived in Portland, Oregon for many of the years that I lived there. And so she was very visible around town. But it's that's not a genre that ever attracted me. But what I loved about this movie is they, they got a lot of great interview footage with her. She passed away shortly before the movie came out early this year. Uh, but they also, there's a lot of footage in there where they talk to the next generation and even the next generation after that of great fantasy and science fiction writers like Neil Gaiman and others and talk about the importance that she hurt the worlds that she created, uh, how important they were to them in their writing. And one of them even says, you know, without Ursula K. Le Guin, there's no Harry Potter. Like she literally invented sort of wizarding uh, in in literature. And it was never recognized as legit literature when she started writing this. But she was writing it because she was like a mom with three kids and she could sell these pieces. Anyway, if you if you like books, if you like uh, movies about authors and you see this documentary, the um, the worlds of Ursula K. Le Guin coming through or, you know, on some streaming service, I thought it was really, really fascinating. Then the other thing, oh, my God, totally the opposite end of the spectrum. This movie, Monica and I got so choked up at this. Julie, this this movie has Julie Dolan all over it. The name of the movie is Pick of the Litter. 
And it is a documentary about how they train lab puppies to become guide dogs for the blind. Oh my God. Well, you know, you know, I had, I've always had a lab, I've black labs. Um, mm-hmm. So um, yes, they have a special place in my heart. Yes. Right? And yeah. it is what's so great about this movie. Of course, you know, it's a puppy movie. So what's not to love about a puppy movie, but it's surprisingly intense in some sections because of the drama of what they're training the dogs to do and how important it is, the important role they play in the lives of the person with whom they ultimately get matched. So the cute stuff includes things like, you know, all the litters of the puppies, all the names always match with the first letter. So this litter is uh, they're all P puppies, Julie. And so the five puppies in the movie, so you get to follow them through the training, are Patriot, Potomac, Primrose, Poppet, and Phil. So Okay, that's funny. That's a funny name for a dog. Yeah. yeah. So you get to know all the puppies. And, you know, as we know, dogs all have their own personalities. And so do Patriot, Potomac, Primrose, Poppet, and Phil. But then they also give you a lot of insights into the puppy raisers. So these are the families that take these puppies when they're very young and raise them for the first 16 months or so before they go back to school to really get their guiding skills. So people have all different kinds of motivations for training these dogs and sometimes it works and that they have the dog for the whole 16 months other times the dogs get pulled away from them because for whatever reason the professionals feel like they're not giving that dog what that dog needs so that was very interesting then they also profile some of the individuals who are waiting for a guide dog you know there's a, a blind man who has never had a dog before. And there's another woman who has retinitis pigmentosa who's had a series of dogs. So you get to know, like, the importance of these dogs to the independence and the lives of the people for whom they're being trained, which is very moving. And one interesting thing they said, which really stuck with me because I never thought about it, is that guide dogs... For all the things dogs are trained to do, you know, the bomb-sniffing dogs, the, you know, all the different things that they do that, that can be helpful to humans, um, guide dogs are the only dogs that are trained by humans that are, that are then asked to overrule the commands of the human when safety requires it. Right. So you have to stop your human from crossing the street. You have to change their direction. Like you have to be able to follow their instruction almost all the time, except when it's life or death. And they have to be able to recognize when it's a life or death situation. Oh my gosh, that is deep, Liz. It wow. is deep. It's really deep. And you can see some of the dogs learning that and some of the dogs not learning that. So anyway, I, I recommend it. It's called Pick of the Litter. I'm sure... I'm sure it's on TV somewhere already, like on Hulu or Netflix or something. I didn't look that up, but it's also going to be playing around in theaters. Um, highly recommend Pick of the Litter. Puppy Love, it's super sad, but but very uplifting. So That's there you nice. go. And you know why labs are good at that, Liz? Because they while they can bond with their trainer, labs just go where the food is. So <laughs> can you know they can be with their trainer, but then they can be a guide dog with someone else. As long as that other person feeds them. Yeah, yeah. That's all that labs care about is food. So oh, one, one last thing. One last thing I didn't mention. You know, some of the labs, they, they're just not suited to this work. Like, like your lab teller, didn't he flunk out of some kind of training program? Yes, he did. He, yeah. was, a, he, was, a, he was a dropout. Yeah. <laughs> but he was perfect for our family. So it worked out fine. Exactly. So what they call that in the business, Julie, they don't say the dogs flunk out or fail. They say the dog's career changed. And they come into these families and they say, we're going to have to career change this dog. That they're just never going to get to the point where they need to be, where they have the skills required to really guide the blind. So there you go. We could all use a career change, including including puppies. All right. So we got to wrap this up soon here. What do we have going on? One more, one more pick, Liz. We have to talk about our Satellite Sisters book club pick. Mm -hmm. The name of the book is If You Love Me. A Mother's Journey Through Her Daughter's Opiate Addiction. And this is by Maureen Cavanaugh. And we're going to have her on in two weeks. It's an absolutely gripping book. You will read it fast because you will be involved with this mother as she goes through this journey with her daughter, where she starts off worried, ashamed, but then she really comes to grip with the situation and you know the sad realization that no matter how hard you love your child, if they're 
under the grip of opioid addiction, there's nothing you can do to save them. So yeah, yeah. there's a book that, you know, everybody should read. Yeah. Okay, Julie, I noticed that it got reviewed in this weekend's New York Times book review. So I put a link to that in our show notes. It's called Coming Clean, A Mother Chronicles Her Daughter's Heroin Addiction. And Maureen Kavanaugh has become like, quite an advocate for yeah. uh, for education and, really, and people really telling their stories. So we're looking forward to talking to her in two weeks, which gives you plenty of time to read the book before she's on the show. So, all right, time to wrap it up. What, okay. what have you got? I got my to-do the list this week. I've got to make a pumpkin tableau. Do you got a pumpkin tableau going at your house for Halloween? I don't even know what that means. Pumpkin okay, see, tableau. Liz, you know, in the old days, you just would like carve a pumpkin, stick it on your doorstep. Yeah. But now, look around. No matter where you are in America, people are building pumpkin tableaus. Okay, you don't have one pumpkin. You have four pumpkins, five pumpkins. They're different sizes, colors, shapes. Maybe you got a bale of hay. Maybe you have some <laughs> chrysanthemums with it. You know, maybe. So you, you build like this whole tableau. It could cost yeah. you a fortune, Liz. Okay, yeah. but I'm not going to spend a fortune on my pumpkin tableau. I've got 40 bucks and I'm going to get some pumpkins and that's it. That's my uh, that's my limit. How okay. about you? I think you could use something on your front doorstep, Liz. No, I think you're talking to the wrong sister, sister. I think that's Leanne and would be strong in the pumpkin tableau. So I'm sure next week when she's back on the show, we'll be able to hear about what she's got going on at her house. No, I don't know. I just... I feel like I buy a pumpkin or three or whatever, and then it just sits there, and then it just rots, and then I throw it away. You know, I'm whatever. No, so there. No. Okay. There. You said no to the Pope, and now no to pumpkins. Okay. You know, I just got to be true to myself, Julie. No. Nope. I mean, I think it's that weak butt cheek is really making you a little crabby, Liz. I think that needs to be the focus of my attention, my weak butt cheek, and that I just have no time for pumpkins. I'm going to be. Clenching, Julie. Clenching, clenching, clenching. Okay. All right. So, okay, we're going to wrap up. Remember, you have your assignment. It is sharing our trailer uh, with your own satellite sisters and misters. Thank you so much for doing that. And thank you to Sergio Enriquez, who produced that trailer for us and engineers our show. We will be back next Tuesday, of course. You can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com, where we have all kinds of information about things we have going on. We post the show notes there. Uh, We have an archive of hundreds and hundreds of old episodes if you just want to listen to some deep cuts. So there you have it. Check that out at SatelliteSisters.com. So um, we're going to go, but don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters.